We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 311. Our guest today comes from a family of equestrians. Her uncle is Chester Weber, who is the best four-in-hand driver in the United States. He also is a former podcast guest. And her grandmother is Charlotte Weber, who found her passion in thoroughbreds and owns a successful breeding and racing operation out of Live Oak Plantation in Ocala, Florida. Also home to, many of you know, Live Oak International, which is going on 28 years. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Chloe Reed. Hey, Chloe. Hi, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy and it's, you know, fully, full all steam ahead for WEF season now that we're on the second half of it. So um, thank you for taking the time. Tell me how you first got into the horse world. So I started riding when I was four years old. Um, my grandmother has a large thoroughbred horse operation in Ocala, Florida, and she she's who I got my love of horses from. Nice. And my uncle is the 19-time U.S. national championship champion for four-in-hand driving. So horses are in my blood. My parents themselves do not ride, but horses are direct, directly in my family. So totally. It, made sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You had a successful junior career, spending time in the hunters. And um, I think your situation is a little unique. You didn't do a ton in the equitation. So what was it about the equitation that you felt that was like, maybe not a good fit for you as a junior? So at the time I was riding with Kim Prince out of Virginia, because I was living in DC, mm-hmm. um, going to school in DC. And I was on hunters and then was kind of started to switch into jumpers and I looked for about a year to find an equitation horse and they weren't really there was we hadn't really found the right match yet Mm because I strongly believe you have to find the right match when you're looking for a horse and finally and my trainer at the time also thought it maybe wouldn't fit me quite well because I think one thing that suits me now in the ring uh, with the jumpers is I ride a lot off of my eye and how I feel with the horse so I'm not really committed to a number so, and she found that if I was to maybe transition into equitation, that that would take away a little bit mm-hmm. that natural ability to find a distance and maybe relying on a number. And so I think partially that aspect that she was worried that it would make me rely on a number and not just off of my natural eye and also just not having the best luck finding a partnership. And yeah. then I went to Europe and I found two young jumpers and that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Looking back, do you feel like you missed out on anything? Are you happy with your decision? I mean, I think I'm very fortunate that there's a really great group of young riders these days and I still have all those bonds from pony days with them from being yeah. in the hunters and being in the ponies. So I think from a friend standpoint, I don't think I missed out cuz we were all still super close. Um and from kind of the mileage in the ring maybe a little bit, but I also was doing so many rounds in the hunters and the jumpers that I still got just like saddle time in the ring. And I think the hunters is what really gave me that education to have the seat and the style and the precision. But then the jumpers allowed me 
a little bit to ride more off my feelings. So I think I still got the education from the hunters that I would have gotten in equitation, but wasn't as restricted. Definitely. When you turned 18, you decided to switch trainers and start competing internationally. Take me back to that point in your life. What was that transition like for you? Why did you feel like this was kind of your next step that made sense? Yeah. So the summer before I graduated from high school, I made the U.S. team and we went and did the Nations Cups in Bratislava, Reims, France, we went to a couple different places in Europe um, and I was very fortunate to have that experience. And that was my first time really going to Europe and seeing the exposure to to the different sport over there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of knew that the best riders are in the world are going to Europe and to be able to, to be the best, I have to compete against the best. So I wanted to to do that. And I spent 17, 18 years competing in the United States. So I wanted to try something different and push myself. And I met Marcus and then when had a lesson with him and we got along really well. So then that was that after I graduated Europe or from school, I moved to Europe for a solid six months. And that was the kind of the beginning of that partnership. So cool. Love that. You've had the opportunity to travel a lot and, and meet and work with some of the top equestrians in the world. Is there anyone that you've met that you feel like really stands out to you and um, like that you've learned a lot from? Yeah. So I, like I said, I trained with the beer bombs, Marcus and Meredith for about eight years in Germany. So I would definitely say they had a large impact on my career to date. A lot of the techniques that I have, I definitely have to give to them. Sure. So they're definitely someone who's influenced my riding. I think currently someone I look up to and have a lot of respect for is my boyfriend, Rene Dietmar. He kind of pushes me from a mental standpoint to always be better and to be very competitive. And he's very hardworking, which rubs off on me as well. Um, so those are two big influences, I guess, that I spend a lot of time with in my life. That yeah, definitely. What's that dynamic like, you know, having a partner as an equestrian? My husband ha- is not horsey whatsoever. Like I'm literally trying to get give him his first lesson like very soon, but literally nothing about it. And so when we met, I was taking a break from riding during college. So he didn't even meet me as a horse person. And then, of course, I end up diving into it as soon as I was done with college again. And he was like, whoa, but what is it like for you? Um, you know, having someone like that as a partner, um, obviously, you know, you alluded to, you know, all of the benefits and, you know, being able to push each other to be able to succeed, but what's that dynamic been like? So it has its pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we definitely respect each other in the sense of we're not the same athlete. He's a six, six tall man. And I'm a (laughs) five, three short yeah, little girl. A little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> so when if there's a young horse that comes in the stable, maybe he's has more of the knowledge and the body to handle a wild young horse. Whereas, yeah. um, but we definitely have respect for each other's strengths and weaknesses and can kind of play off that and help each other in a sense. He's getting better about it. Like I, when I come out of the ring, I'm very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. So I need everyone around me to be positive. And then after 10 minutes, we can get into the nitty gritty of what I did wrong. But originally I need everyone to be happy and he's getting better at not being supportive and not just straight to heart. Cause at yep. first I was like, I think it's too much, but it is really, if, if we're competing against each other, it's, we're so competitive that it makes it really fun. Even if yeah. it's a class, that's not super important. We, if we're going against each other, like it's, you have to put everything in because we have to totally. So oh, that's so fun. fun. Yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time in Wellington. Um, you're there, you know, most of the winter and you've had a very successful WEF 2023 season. Um, can you run us through some of the highlights of this season so far? 
Sure. So I have a really nice uh, group of horses right now. A couple, I got a new young one this fall who I've been, had a really good week with last year. She was first and second in the two-star classes I jumped her in, Mm -hmm. which was our first international competition. So I'm super excited for that partnership. I've also been doing a lot with um, my gelding crossover. He is very special horse. Um, I'm going to jump him in a three-star this week in Ocala. And he was second in the two-star Grand Prix last week. So he's a very special, so much talent horse. I just have been, I need, he has a lot of quality. So I need to take my time with him, but I've had him, my boyfriend actually rode him at the end of his five-year-old year year and six-year-old year. And then I took over the reins. So I feel like we've had him and I've been riding him since the beginning. So any obstacle it's thrown at us. I'm like, okay, we've done this before. I know how to, we know how to work on this together. So it's really nice. Definitely. What would you say are some things that make up your program that you feel like contribute to consistent success? I think which our sport requires, you need to have long-term goals. You have to be very patient in your planning. So for example, starting Wellington this winter, it's very tempting to go week one straight into FBI go hard, like right. every full speed ahead. But I've tried in the past few years just to kind of take a deep breath at the beginning of circuit and realize you have 12 weeks. And this is a horse that you need to keep sound and healthy, not only for these 12 weeks, but also into the summer and the months after that, which I think last year really stood true. I really planned to peak my horse super shuttle at the end of circuit last year. And which we did, we were clear in the uh, World Cup Grand Prix at Live Oak. And then we were third in the Rolex Grand Prix week 12. And because of those results, I had the opportunity to go to Europe and compete on U.S. teams through the summer. So I think having long-term goals and making your plan and trying to be patient and not just get excited by the media and get excited by all the surroundings and not just jumping every class, but really Mm -hmm. making a plan that best suits your horse and your partnership to think long-term. Let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning, because it's not just about having clean tack, right? It's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack, and having beautiful, healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime, because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials, because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium, all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner and leather conditioner and what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals um, counterproductive ingredients Um, so it's just like a really really great purely vegetarian product Um, beeswax food grade ingredients plant-based oils and premium essential oils So not only does it smell amazing, but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue, soap scum, white film, glycerin, or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners. So for more information, visit their website at sterling-essentials.com. That's S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-essentials.com. And I also have a promo code if you want to give it a try. So use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply, so you can see their policies on their website for more information. But I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So again, that is Sterling Essentials. Totally. I was just going to ask you about Live Oak. I know your family produces the Live Oak International Horse Show, which is like over over 30 years now. 
Um, yes, yes, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the show and um, do you have a role in Live Oak as far as, you know, like working with your family? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my it used to be run by my uncle and my mother, um, Chester Weber and Juliet Reed. And about two years ago, my mom kind of stepped back and I've filled her position. So Chester and I are technically the co-presidents of the event. And I kind of like to think that Chester's the big idea guy. He has these amazing ideas and big picture and he wants to make it bigger and better every year. And then he kind of throws these ideas at me and then I'm like, okay, how do we make this actually work? So I'm more the detail person and he has the big picture, which you definitely need both sides to make a successful event because without him, I'd probably stick to my ways and just stay in a little bubble. But he pushes us to always be bigger and better and grow, which I think the two of us work well in that sense. Totally. And I think that's such a unique perspective to have you a part of, you know, a a horse show event like that being, you know, a competitor yourself and really understanding what, um, you know, details should go into an event like that to make it the most successful. Sure. I have a lot of respect now for any horse show management. I, I I tell every horse show I go to, I said, you'll never hear me complaining day one because it, the writing a horse show is a very thankless job. No Mm -hmm. one's coming to you really at the end of the week to thank you for all your hard work. So I'm not going to be the first person who gets to the show and goes to complain because I know the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that went into it making any of it possible, but it is definitely an exciting opportunity to be on the other side of it and Mm -hmm. see all the details. And I've learned a lot, not only from the details of organizing a show jumping event, but also driving because a live book is also combined driving. So learning a lot about both disciplines. (laughs) Yeah. Which is so cool. It's so, it's so easy to kind of live in our hunter jumper bubble sometimes when there are so many other parts that make up the horse world and it's so cool that to to learn about the different the different disciplines yeah the event it's at our family's property so it's really it's amazing that we get to open the doors and invite basically all my friends to come home like come come compete in my backyard and yeah oh that's so cool a lot of work Uh, yeah (laughs) oh my gosh I bet obviously on the flip side being a part of producing a show do you have any like pet peeves when it comes to places that you compete elsewhere or you know what are some things that you feel like sometimes you know other shows or venues might be missing that you've been able to kind of experience being on the other end yeah, I mean, I try if I go when I go to other events, I think I find myself more taking pictures or writing notes on things mm-hmm. other places do really well so that I can yeah. see that. My phone library is constantly just photos of trailers or VIP tents or yeah. different entrances and little nick like I have we're doing our VIP decorations to this morning and I have photos from the Aachen VIP tent. I'm like, oh like nice. so it's always just finding little pieces that you love that you can bring home and kind of make our own and make it special. Totally. What would you say is something that you are passionate about within the industry that you feel like maybe other people either don't know a lot about or don't talk that much about? That's, I think this event organizing, it consumes a lot of my life. And I think it's not something a lot of people know. I think they know, obviously, Live Oak is at my family farm, but I don't think they realize how large of a role I have in the event. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I am proud of, that I am able to balance both pretty well because Wellington's obviously a very busy time as an athlete but our horse show runs it's week 10 of Wellington March 15th through 19th so it's middle of season for me personally as a competitor but also high time for me as an event organizer so there's a lot going on but 
I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is that I'm not just working on my horses and going home in the day and not doing anything. It's I'm mm-hmm. running home to make meetings and plan an event. You fully have two full-time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And me, I think I'm sure maybe someone who doesn't know that is like, oh, Chloe's just like out there riding, like living life. And like, you're fully having to yeah. <laughs> run two businesses. Yeah, that was, we were laughing. I, two years ago, I won the qualifier at Live Oak the first day and I'm help with the, obviously the media team as well at Live Oak. So I was in the ring. Oh, and they made me go. I pulled first in the Grand Prix that week too, which I thought was a joke, but so I had to go make sure we started the class on time because I was first in the ring. I won the class. I came out. I'm organizing the press conference. I'm writing my own quotes basically because I'm quoting oh my myself. Gosh. Like it was, there's so many moving pieces, but we kind of all laughed about it of like, Chloe, what is happening? Like you're doing too many wow. roles. But I've always said from the beginning, even when I was in school and I like having this job too, because the busiest I am with if it's work or school, that's normally when I do the best competing because mm-hmm. I don't really have time to be nervous or think about my round tonight is because I'm putting all my thought into something else. And then I get to the horse show and it's like, okay, you have to put that aside and right. now you're riding, but you don't have time to just sit there and dwell and think about your round or a bad round that you had the day before because you have to move on and do the next thing. That's such a good point. Yeah, definitely. Do you always compete at Live Oak, like during the event, like competitor and event coordinator? Yes. I feel like it would be one of those things where like being able to juggle both competitor and event coordinator, that it would be like, well, not only so stressful, but I feel like it'd be one of those things where like every year you'd be like, okay, I'm not doing this, doing like both of these things again this year. Like, how do you juggle that? That's, I try to have kind of two hats when I'm at the horse show, my competitor hat, but also my managing hat. And at times, for example, if a rider comes up to you and says, oh, do I really have to ride in the prize giving? If for whatever reason, I, I have, I do, I thankfully have a good team, both Mm -hmm. my professional career for riding, also for the event management perspective that I can turn to them and say, no, sorry, please go talk to the director of sport. Like I need to back out of this one for a second, but, and I don't know how I do. Well, I guess it's maybe years of practice from doing school and riding as well, but I do like juggling both. It's kind of a hectic, like adrenaline run through the week. And we every Sunday after the event, our entire team is just exhausted and we all order like a massive pile of sushi on Sunday night and just like sit <laughs> at my grandmother's house on the floor and eat sushi. And that's just like every day we are after after the like Monday after the event, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. And then yeah. it's like slowly but surely you start thinking of like things that you could do better or like totally. you get comments back from people and it kind of inspires you. And then like a couple of weeks later, I'm like, okay, how do we make the next year better? Like, how do we, right. it, it kind of just all comes back to you. Totally. That's so awesome. Well, that's so exciting. That is right around the corner, but Chloe, thank you so much for taking the time to come on in the middle of your busy schedule. I'm so excited to watch you and your team through the rest of WEF season and Live Oak and the rest of the year. So I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.